Okay, I have to go. Hmm? <laughs> Tacky cute. Right. <laughs> like ugly and cute things like trolls. Yeah. So, I don't know. What's up, y'all? This is the first episode of our podcast. We don't even have a name for it yet, so um, maybe I'll do a poll or a social media um, ask to see what you guys think the, the podcast should sound like or or it should, be, should be named, basically. Um, I guess you'll know after this first episode based on our personalities and whatnot. Anyway, Jen, say something. <laughs> if you do a poll for the podcast, it will be named Podcast Podface or something. Don't do a poll. <laughs> I have no faith in people. <laughs> yeah. We've been talking about wealth all day and how no one has it except 1%. <laughs> yep. uh, yeah, and um, it is. The song of choice was Mia X, Ghetto Sarah Lee, which um, both, me and, both me and Jen listened to, and we both think the song is pretty dope. It is. <laughs> it made me very nostalgic, though. Like, it so much sounds like the era it came from. Yeah. What are your other thoughts about it? Well, there were a couple things that really stuck out to me. One is the way we've really reshaped how our female rappers sound currently. Mm. Her voice had more dirt and more gravel in it. And now everything is so polished and so shiny. I think about the precision that Nicki Minaj has. And she's on all the pop stations now. Right. Mia X would never be on a pop station. <laughs> and That's a fact. I wonder what, you know, what caused that? Like, why is Nicki Minaj on a pop station, but Mia X never would have been? Is it because of the polish? Or what? Yeah. And the other thing that stood out to me was a lot of the lines from the Reagan era were on drugs. Yeah. And... The, the sense of the necessity to hustle, not just to make ends meet, but to live at all. Yeah. So those were the things that really stayed with me. Yeah, those are definitely um, points that I got out of it, and I was hoping that you would, you know what I'm saying, mm-hmm. hear. But also mass incarceration oh, um, wow. because, you know, the whole song is basically written because her man is in jail um probably for something petty like selling drugs or or standing in front of his apartment (laughs) you get arrested for loitering and then if you have no mail bail money you go to jail facts so yeah those things it's funny how like you i'm starting to put two and two together with this song and how honestly person listening to it with the naked ear would probably say no it's just somebody like doing crime selling drugs doing things they're not supposed to do but if you're in a system of poverty and it's a cycle what else are you going to do i mean i feel like mia x was probably at the height of her frustration being that she's the only sole provider and she got kids to feed on top of that she's living in an area where there's tons of cocaine and crack fiends walking around well and then the last i guess it's in the last verse and she talks about how her in-laws and her sister and even her mother want her to deliver for her like that's a huge burden to have to carry wow that's like profound <laughs> i'm so like, i'm so glad that you like said that it like it like made my heart drop but um yeah um 
Man, I just think the song is jamming though because when when I first heard it, I was really little. First of all, love Master P and shout out to my mom because the very first cassette tape that I got when I was younger was Master P The Last Done. Oh my gosh. And I was in freaking third grade. <laughs> I'm like, mom, what were you thinking? It wasn't even a radio edit version. It was it was, it was totally the full, the, the full dirty version oh. album. Of mine was Master P The Last Done. Watch your stuff. Oh, T- uh, it was TLC. Crazy, really? sexy, cool. What? Yes. Yo, Jen, you my freaking homie, yo. <laughs> <laughs> That's dope. Yeah. That's, I mean, okay. Let me just say this, because here's, a, here's, here's why the, this song and this whole concept in general was inspired. Like, why well, I was inspired by it. A lot of pain is in music. A lot of pain, especially, is in hip-hop. Like, hip-hop was created in the hood of New York. So it has a certain feel and sound that it originates from pain. Mm-hmm. What I don't get is that so many people, like hip-hop is universal, so many people listen to hip-hop, and there's tons of social issues like wrapped in, into these lyrics. Why is it that no one understands or thinks it's alarming what, from what they hear? They're dancing to it. Like I can see dancing to it to a certain extent, like it's a good song, but at the end of the day, like how are all these issues like ignored and somebody's pouring their heart out on the track so i got two things one it's that society largely doesn't view black problems as problems because Mm. they don't view black people as worthy Mm. um it's it's the same concept as why we have the football players who can't kneel like black bodies are valuable what you make is valuable but you as a person don't have value in society that hurts so much to say but that's Mm. why like the songs that make it big tend to be like club songs like I think about um oh my gosh those Usher songs were everywhere and they were definitely about popping bottles and being in the club and or yeah was just yeah (laughs) (laughs) I mean I love Ludacris till I die this was the best part. Ludacris is dope. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and I, the other thing it makes me think about is the stupid Childish Gambino video that came out earlier this year that everyone had <laughs> all the feels about. But when he's, there's all that murder and then there's those kids dancing and it is really a striking image and that's the exact same point you just made. That was hard. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That's... Know. <laughs> yeah, no, it is tough. It's funny because like two years ago, I was speaking this same rhetoric, and the fact that like now in 2018, an artist is actually—I mean, not to say that he's the first one to speak about it, but in 2018, it's it's actually something that went viral and became like pop culture. Mm-hmm. So I I kind of have a problem with it. Like, not to say that it's gonna like cause me to lose sleep or anything but it's almost like now people are accepting that that is a narrative of black people but it's still entertainment and then sometimes it's even worse black black people are seeing it as entertainment and just walking and going about their day i would never judge how someone reacts to their grief um because you gotta i think laugh or cry sometimes right yeah that's true um as a white person, I would never say anything anyway. <laughs> but my experience is very, very different. And my experience, like, 
I love rap. I've always loved rap. I think a huge part of it is definitely that I got, you know, TLC when I was like in fifth grade, right? <laughs> Lift that, come on. Oh my gosh. <laughs> she set that man's house on fire. Yes. She's my hero. <laughs> <laughs> I anyway. think she's every, every woman's hero. Oh my gosh. Especially in that moment. But I can remember when I was a you kid. Yeah. Um, in particular, I remember rap got made fun of a lot. It wasn't taken seriously. Mm-hmm. And even when I went to college, my professor, who was an old jazz uh, saxophonist, and I'm really embarrassed, I can't remember his name now, because he's really accomplished. But he talked about how rap wasn't music. And to me, that was wild, because he was old enough that he was playing jazz when they were talking about how jazz wasn't a real art form. Mm -hmm. And that he would take that same rhetoric and repeat it at, at rap in particular, just I was I love hip-hop I was so surprised yeah. I was really surprised to hear that come out of his mouth and yeah. that's only oh I'm old never mind that's been a few years ago now it's been 14 years ago <laughs> nope it's been 16 years ago I'm 34 now <laughs> <laughs> 34 years young mm. I don't know it's the end of the week it's been a long week <laughs> I don't know about the young part yeah you know what I just had another thought like I guess with like the black community and then like the white community i i made the statement to austin the other day i was like we don't i don't think as a like as a black community we have as many ways to cope like we we don't have as many um things that are just naturally therapeutic in our community like it's like therapy has to be forced in our community like mental health it's just now becoming a thing where we're conscious about it and nobody's getting made fun of for having a therapist in our community or right. the fact that you guys like this this may be funny and like um i don't know i just say it but like riding bikes and yeah. hiking and oh yeah that's you all know meditating and privilege you know but and if stuff I had we've said, stolen right because well, we're thieves <laughs> cannot <laughs> i can say it um no Jokes aside, though. Oh, I've said it before, but yeah. yeah it, it's true. Uh, Columbus, right? Um, we have time and disposable income. Um, one of the things you said earlier that really stuck with me, there was a New York Times story covering it, too. They did a study. It was a 30-year study. They found that black men are the most likely to fall out of the top quintile when their parents make it. So this is not across genders. It's just black men. Um, And they think, they're not sure why that is, but there's probably a couple reasons. Um, It is harder, first of all, for black people to climb out of their existing income bracket. Uh, And they think part of it is incarceration, obviously. Mm -hmm. The carceral state is vicious and lives to feed itself. And also, you don't have connections like we do like white people do mm-hmm. um if i get in trouble i've got some aunts and uncles i can call um we've got our parents they all have some money they can help us out if my car breaks down i can get money to go get my battery replaced mm-hmm. and that's even this is not always obviously universally the case but even among a poor white society they they're gonna have some friends or some family who don't live in a trailer park with them who can give them the money to go get the $150 battery or whatever for their car. And that is not a network that exists 
in other communities. Mm -hmm. That's real. That's so real. I mean, granted, all the things you just named, I have, no, I have, I don't have that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like me now, like you know, being a young adult, I'm you know interested in starting my own business. I will start a, a second business soon. I already have one, but like, I I can't pick up the phone and call a personal contact that's mm -hmm. blood and say like what should I do in this moment how can I raise this capital or I can't do that but at the same time I have to flip it too because I don't know if you know this guy but Charlemagne the guy like he's a yes. okay. the DJ up in New York yeah so. he says things that are funny and he says things to get in trouble yes. yeah he does he does he's a troublemaker but I love him to death because he he wrote the book Black Privilege mm -hmm. and I believe in that because like a lot I think black privilege it works opposite but it's still a privilege mm -hmm. like even though we don't have access to those different resources and you know friends that we can call in context we have a hunger and a desire and we're willing to do certain things that maybe a person that is as privileged won't do and just the favor in it you yeah. know what I mean like the you know the creativity that comes with having nothing like yeah. I, I mentioned to my friend the other day like I enjoyed being broke because when I was broke I had the most creativity I had the most time to just sit and think and write poems I have a like the reason why I can release a book of poetry soon is because I've had so much time to write books and books of poems and it's like I want to master how to educate others on how to be still during times of quote unquote, you know, mm -hmm. low points. Yeah. Because those low points I, I don't I really don't think God allows those low points to happen without some type of fruit being buried while you're there. Yeah. Cause the seed is planted in a low point. Yes. And we know from Isaiah that we get seasons of refreshing that even when we are exhausted, the birds will feed us if no one else will. Um, word. come on, word. <laughs> <laughs> I think, okay, do you remember, I don't know, did you watch the Chappelle show when he had his TV show? Sometimes. So, um, one of his guest comedians, whose name I'm blanking on, I'm just having trouble with names, they are not my friend, <laughs> but he said, everybody wants to be black, but nobody wants to be black. <laughs> and and he's so talking true. about how so many of our cultural standards and expectations come from the black community. And he's like, but nobody wants to be black because it's a burden so you're right very much right about creativity I did not like being poor it stressed me out I spent all my time trying to figure out how to feed my kids and how to stretch the dollars um it I never felt any stillness at all in mm. my poverty it was incessant how are we going to make this work mm. wow I hadn't thought about that in a long time. But oh. it was unrelenting. Yeah. I wonder That's well, and I wonder if it's the difference between having kids or not. Hmm. I know for a fact that adds to it. Yeah. Because you, you when you're responsible for another human being, it is definitely stressful, especially when that little human being can't feed themselves. Right. Oh man, it's such a burden. I just I don't have kids yet so I will never know until I have a kid but just you saying that like it really sobered me like it it, it really did something to my heart especially 
looking at them and knowing that they're a piece of you and they didn't ask to be here. Oh, definitely. They did not ask to be born into their situations. Mm-hmm. That's why, are we going to talk about politics, like current politics at all on this? Hey, Cause, be well, free. <laughs> it makes me think about those children being separated from their parents at the border. Yeah. And they're sticking those babies in cages. Right. There was that awful story about that six-year-old girl that came out last week. Mm-hmm. Did you hear about that? No, I didn't. <sighs> A six-year-old girl, she was sexually assaulted. Oh, my gosh. And they made her sign a piece of paper that said she understood it was her responsibility to stay away from her abuser. What? Yeah. The Nation magazine wrote about it. Oh, my God. I... (sighs) These children are blameless. Yeah. But look at what we do. Mm Mm-hmm. And yeah. I don't know what there is to do about that. The parallel in the black community in particular and in Mia's ex song is when she's talking about how she's got to keep the bills up, right? Yeah. And you can't fall behind. And she's doing all that hustle. Studies show that black children, when people are asked their age, white people, and especially police, that they look in average, say that they're like 10 when they're actually six. It's like four years or something ridiculous mm-hmm. older than they look. That's why... When the story broke about these kids in the cages down at the border that are coming up from the Golden Triangle, the pictures they released were of teenage boys who mm-hmm. basically look like men because mm-hmm. they don't tug on your heartstrings the right. same way a little three-year-old girl crying exactly. does. And the way we dehumanize as a society, it filters down and it's not, it's everybody does it. Mm-hmm. We look at victims and we victim blame it's psychological to protect ourselves and it's a way that we built our entire society is to do that we do that to one another um it happens in black communities Mm -hmm. it happens in uh, immigrant communities among koreans they all it doesn't matter (laughs) which group it is they all do it we all do it and it's a human thing i'm not sure how to break that cycle yeah because that's ugly it's a lot of it's gonna take a lot of looking in the mirror, like self-reflection, and nothing clearly changes, or nothing obviously changes unless it the person that has the power to change is affected by it. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason why I say that is because, like, the fact that you know Trump is president or whatever, <laughs> that didn't become a thing really until like people who never had dealt with oh, inequality. Yeah. actually started feeling inequality so that's why they think (laughs) that the largest group of women who've been activated are middle class white women yeah they have never done politics before Mm -hmm. and they're marching and apparently sewing those fabulous hats still (laughs) i just shook my head like whoever was listening to a podcast could see me shake my head yeah Um, she shook her head i did (laughs) but they are the ones who are calling their senators and calling their reps and they've just never had to do that before i say they we me Mm -hmm. this is me Mm -hmm. i'm part of this group um trump really represented a manifestation of all the little ills all the little things i knew were wrong Mm -hmm. and seeing it all embodied in one man Mm -hmm. it was just too much you just couldn't look at that with a straight face anymore right do nothing right it was too much well i just think Trump becoming president was kind of destiny for the United States. Oh yeah, because like it, it's sort it's sort of like how a machine for ages and ages continues to produce, continues to produce, and and just grind and mix in all the things of our culture as a mm-hmm. as a country. Its production was him. Mm-hmm. This country was was is based off of capitalism. It's based off of 
um, tyrant, tyrancy, or however you want to put it. It's based off of competition, you know, um, only the strongest survive and, you know, step on whoever you got to step on to get by. Oh, I mean, so those are those yes. are things that people don't say, but at the end of the day, that's really what it is. I mean, even nonprofits compete against other nonprofits, which is bullshit because mm-hmm. aren't we trying to solve the world issue? Like, yes. Why are we competing? Like we're solving the same world issue. We're mm-hmm. that that's bogus to me. That and awful. so Trump is a product. Like you know, I can't even blame him for being him because he's just following what what success what the success formula of the United States is. He is <laughs> just entitled and no one has ever told him no and he has not taken it well. So your horse example is better because you should call this the horse episode because that is the grossest thing I have ever heard in my entire life. The horse. When you're talking about the horse skin and how it like heals on top, oh, but yeah. it's still gross under it. Yo, you I've traumatized been... me forever <laughs> with that. And that is absolutely when I see his orangeness, what I think of is that freaking horse wound. I forget what it's called. I don't know. I think it's called a, um an Man, I always forget the name of it. But anyway, y'all look it up, man. Like, horses basically can heal from the outside in. Gross. And, like, let's say a horse has a wound or cut or something like that. Their top skin will heal all the way. And it looks like nothing is wrong until you, like, tap it. And then all of a sudden you see that the actual wound is super raw. I have to, man, I have to look up. Look up. Look it up real quick. Okay. I have to like give you guys the name of it because it's really bothering me that I can't remember the name of that um, that wound. But it's 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 like a really it's a really simple term, but I can't remember. But anyway, yeah, that's what the United States has done all this time. We have healed our outside skin when there's a big fleshy, raw, bloody wound under, and we've done that in every single community, not just the black community. We've done it in, in every single community within the United States because we are a melting pot. And um, I don't know, man. Somebody has somebody had to peel their skin back. So if if Trump is the one, is the chosen one. That's so gross. <laughs> oh my gosh. Ugh. Um, on the other side of that, um, just just going back to the Mia X song. So like, uh, man, it, it's that's the jam. First of all, I can't stop saying like that's the jam. I love this song. But the part where she's she's talking about she has to go get her man out of jail. Mm-hmm. That speaks on the matriarchal power within the black community and how so many times all the weight is upon the mother the black woman and black women are now you know what I mean looked at as being queens and black girl magic and all this different stuff and I mean we're empowering ourselves essentially but in the beginning everyone loved to use the term black black mad mad black woman they love to use that term oh yeah initially and I'm like wouldn't you be mad as hell too? So I, if, <laughs> I, women are absolutely, especially black women, entitled to their anger, but you don't want to be seen as threatening, right? Right. Like, and that also goes back to the idea of black women as Jezebels and welfare queens. And again, it's still <laughs> that dehumanizing aspect. Yeah. yeah, for sure. I can't. Like you're fight. going, you're totally going past. It's all good. You're totally <laughs> going past the issue. Yeah. To 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 do the name the name game. The yeah. blaming game. Yes. That's just like if my if my leg's broken, uh-huh. you don't say anything about my broken leg. You just go in. I can't believe you broke your leg. How could you be so reckless? Mm. 
Affected you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Can can we go to the hospital and get me a cast first? Please. <laughs> then you can yell at me for uh, throwing myself off the trampoline or whatever. Yeah. You can tell I've got kids. One thing I hate, yo, and more, the episodes are going to get better and better, y'all. It's just the first episode. <laughs> but I, I couldn't for the life of me find the lyrics to be an X song or else I would have been going line by line. No. You can't. I looked for them. Yeah, they're nowhere to be found. So you just have to listen to the song. But I, I really encourage you guys to listen to the song and comment and, you know, start a debate about like, you know, and even um, recommend songs that we should listen to. It's not limited to hip hop genre either. Like it can totally be different genres. As, as a matter of fact, I'm really excited about the songs that you're going to that you're going to recommend. Jen. It's going to, I know they're going to open my mind. Well, I got to tell you, there was one line in it that talked about Pink Blooms, right? And I immediately thought about the Goo Goo Dolls song that came out, what, <laughs> like four years later, five years later, Black Balloon. And yeah. it was everywhere and it was all sweet. And there were moms singing it. And I was like, yeah, that song's about heroin. Does nobody know? <laughs> Does nobody care? Like, just this little girl has a problem singing about her spoon. Or he was singing about her. And it was they played it at our school dance wow. you know it's just radically different how we treat these things oh my gosh put a put a nice little cute tune behind it and we act like it never happened that's crazy i don't know i think this was a good first episode what you think it was fun it was kind of depressing <laughs> I think maybe we had we a couple laughs to tie it up at the end so that we don't feel sad that there are children in cages well to end guys to not be so depressed listen to the song roll your windows down just vibe to the song don't think go. about the depressing things that she's talking about sorry but know that um there's always a way and a, and a positive outlook on things like i mentioned like black privilege earlier anybody it's not just about black people having privilege it's about everyone people underdogs there's this thing called underdog privilege you know what I mean? Like, when have you ever seen the underdog not win at the end of the movie? It's because clearly they're so at a point to where their heart is overweighing every single physical aspect or component of their environment. They're able to bypass all of those things and the desire and the passion become so intense that they forget about all the things that, that are opposing to what they're trying to accomplish. And I think that's a privilege for anyone who's in a low point or, or in a situation where they feel like they can't escape it or like all the odds are against them or unfair um just environment there's always a way out man nah i think you're too optimistic well you know i'm an optimist <laughs> <laughs> you know well jen jen really wants to say you know f all of that we just need to take these systems and overturn them which i definitely agree with too but let's do it you know let's try to do it in a peaceful way but if we can't get it in a peaceful way I'm not opposed to tearing shit up. Eh, the pussy hats are coming. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You have anything else to say, Jen? No, I think that's it. It's a good first episode. Yeah. All right, y'all. Till next time. Peace. Revolution and activism. With music. What's popping, y'all? It's Dr. Jovizi. Listen to this track. Mia X's. Ghetto Sarah Lee, super dope classic track. Some stuff I ride to all the time. You'll get a, um, an idea for what me and Jen were talking about in the podcast. So listen to it, ride to it.
Send us your thoughts. Eat, love, pray, learn, and grow. Peace.
Shit.